Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news in agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Good morning. We've made it to Thursday morning this first week of January. And it's uh, 22 degrees out there this morning. I was expecting it to be a little colder because that's what the prediction was. But uh, 22 degrees, the first part of January is really not that bad. Hey, you've got Jill Welke here to get those chores done and get through all the information that we have. We're going to be talking a lot of numbers this morning. We The retail fertilizer prices to hay prices, livestock prices, all milk price. They were all released late last week. Um, The fertilizer prices actually come out uh, were earlier this week, but the hay prices and livestock prices and all milk prices, that was out the end of last week in a report. And the applications are open for the chance to become the 77th Alice in Dairyland. This position is a one-year commitment to learn about and educate the public about Wisconsin agriculture. Media comments, general public interactions, and keynote speeches are all a part of the year of service. And to find out more information, go to Alice in Dairyland website and click on the Apply to Become the 77th Alice Pl- prompt and i'll be the first to say that's been one of my most enjoyable interactions with the allison dairy lens from julia nunes when i started to taylor schaefer was last year and i've got ashley hagenau as the 76th allison dairy land she reaches out and she comes to the studio about ooh, once a month and promotes what she is promoting around the state and I believe she's coming in the end, closer to the end of this, oh, a couple weeks of this month. And I believe we're going to talk ginseng and potatoes. And ginseng is something that you don't really think about as a product of Wisconsin. But Wisconsin is the biggest producer of ginseng. And most of it goes oh, across the ocean, I believe, because they have a way to use it and a purpose to use it, but we'll find out more about that later on this month. And we're going to also hear from Stephanie Hoff, and New Holland has an electric tractor, and we'll be hearing about the demands and what it looks like and and uh, what we think it's going to be for the future. Um had a little side note. I was doing my chores last night, and there was a possum up in my shed. So if my future son-in-law is hearing that, or my daughter that are going to do the chores in the morning, <laughs> kind of beware that that possum is in there. And, you know, it would be okay if it got taken someplace else. I just really didn't have time last night to deal with it, so I just... Let it be, and maybe it'll move on all by itself. So, but it is that time of year where those possums are around and moving into 
find, I think, easy food sources is probably the biggest reason it was there. But um, I try to keep all those bags wrapped up and I have some shed cats and they get fed and there's no extra food up there for them either. So, but that was my interesting in, uh, adventure last night because my dog was all worked up about it and I did get her to come away from it. And <laughs> But those possums are out there and I think there's raccoons out and about too. But we need to get through some chores and get moving on with the farm show this morning. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. And the Midwest Farm Report. The ground is frozen now again. We've had that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw thing, so I'm hoping the alfalfa can manage to keep going through that. And um, I just got a notice here for the Wisconsin Farmers Union received a year-end grant from Farm Aid. So Farm Aid distributed more than $1.3 million in grant funding in 2023. So that's part of the annual Farm Aid Festival, and the Wisconsin Farmers Union received a chunk of that, and it needs to go to education and helping out our farmers and keeping them going. There's also uh, current events came through, uh, just kind of a uh, Dunn County USDA is going to host a January 9th meeting and meet and greet office event to help farmers learn about federal programs and resources now available. So on next Tuesday, January 9th, the Dunn County USDA is going to be hosting that meet and greet in the in uh, face-to-face. And you need to go to uh, Go Farm Connect. It's in conjunction with them. And I'm not seeing a time on here, but it's at the USDA office on Red Cedar Street in Menominee. And I'll have to do a little bit more research, but that is January 9th on that one. And today is the 41st annual Western Wisconsin Ag Lenders Conference, starting at 8.30, going till 3.30, and that's at the River Prairie Center in Altoona. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. The Midwest Farm Report. Well, it's that time of the morning. We need to get into our markets, and we've got farm news, a lot of chores to get done. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And our cash livestock, choice-fed beef steers are 164 to 170 with those mixed steers at 140 to 162. Choice-fed beef heifers are 164 to 175 with mixed heifers 142 to 162. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 134 to 170. Choice-fed Holstein steers are 145 to 164, with select and silage-fed steers 115 to 144. Cows are 70 to 84 with a top of a dollar. Bulls are a dollar to a dollar five. Butcher hogs are 35 to 81 with sows at 32 and down and boars at 15 and down. New crop market lambs are 180 to 210. Feeder lambs are 155 to 280. Ewes are 95 to 135. Small goats are 12 and a half to 185. Medium goats are 120 to 260. Large goats are 150 to 460. And nanny goats are 115 to 270. And our futures markets, 
live cattle. They're kind of a mixed bag going into this next year. February, 171.85, down 7.5 cents. April, 174.75, up 25 cents. June, 171.97, up 5 cents. And August, up or down 25 cents to 172.30. And our feeder cattle futures, they are up for the first part of the year, and then they take a turn and go down, but just a bit. So for January, we're at, sitting at 226.07, up 65 cents. March, 227.02, up 57.5 cents. April, 232.55, up 40 cents. And then when we get into May, it's 237.57, down 2 cents. And August, 252.92, down a nickel. And our lean hog carcasses. For February, this market is oh, on the downturn. February, 65.30, down 2 cents. April, 72.20, down 30 cents. May, a little bit of a reprieve, 79.87, up 2 cents. And June, 88.10, down 7 cents. And let's take a look at our Chicago Board of Trade. It, there's been rain in Brazil and Argentina, and that's been driving our corn and soybean prices down because they're getting their crop in, and it's looking better than when they were struggling with the drought. March corn is at 464, down a half. March oats, 374, up six and a half. Soybeans are down one and a half to 1275. And March soybean meal is at $380 a ton, up a fraction, with March wheat at sitting at $6, up a fraction. And our cheese markets, barrels 141.5, down 2.5, 40-pound blocks, 145.5, down 2.5. And, and our gray AA butter, 268.5, holding steady from yesterday. And our Class 3 milk futures, January 1531, down a dime, February down eight cents to fifteen fifty five. March down another dime to sixteen nineteen. April seventeen oh eight down two cents and May down a penny to seventeen seventy five. And that market is trending downward through the end of the year. We're going to do a few more chores and then down at the NAFB, the National Broadcasters Convention there's a trade show and we get to talk to many different from fertilizers to corn to planters to oh anything from soup to nuts out there there's over a hundred exhibitors and i would like to share uh, mosaic fertilizer a little bit of a clip from there and uh, we will be talking about some fertilizer prices in our farm news so we're going to talk some fertilizers and i've got sherry cook she's the fertilizer connoisseur of the group is what I heard. And let's talk a little bit about the beginning of Mosaic Biosciences. And, you know, what did the company really start out as? Well, I don't know if we're the connoisseurs, but we're pretty close. So with Mosaic, we, we were formed back in 2004 with the conglomeration of IMC and Cargill, two very... Uh, rich companies in the sense of the deep history and fertilizer. So we started off with more of a commodity mindset. Um, our our MAP, 11520, DAP, you know, 1846 type products and just straight potash. 
and we've evolved today to where we call ourselves in, into that advanced crop nutrition stage where we have performance products like Micro Essentials, like Aspire that have have similar nutrients as our old commodities, but we've added more to it. So for example, we have a Micro Essentials product that we have sulfur and sometimes we have zinc in there. We have an, an enhanced potash product that we have boron in. And the two most efficient micronutrients in the world are zinc and boron. So we're trying to cover those aspects and we're really moving forward into the biological world and in new areas where how can we keep our products sustainable and get the highest use efficiency that we can. Basically stated you started out as, you know, I would call your basic fertilizer and you've had to change, but why? We are seeing growers yields increase. We see the management of farmers just way beyond what it was 20, 30 years ago. And so how do we keep up with that market? And so we've designed and developed products to help with that. And the yields are getting higher. We see these wonderful genetics that, you know, it's not uncommon to see two, 300 bushel corn, which 20 years ago, that was unheard of. So how can we help enhance that? And how can we help that continue to grow? Because we know it will. Our world population continues to grow. So we need to feed all these people, right? Or help feed them. And that's our mission statement. We help the world grow the food that it needs. So it, it fits really well with us. And it's been really fun for me for the last 12 years to watch a lot of this, a lot of this in this industry evolve. So it's evolved and it's changed. But part of the guiding to get it to change and evolved, do you need to use a lot of data to get there and research? We do. And we've got 20 plus years of data and research on not only our our commodity products, but especially when it comes to our performance products. So again, how can we be sustainable? How can we be efficient in what we do? And how can we help the grower increase their yields? And what about digesting a bunch of that data? Because you're, you're actually able to get so much of that data straight from the farmer. Do you find that to be as valuable or more valuable than from the research pots, plots? We do a lot of third-party research with a lot of the universities and private researchers in the industry, we don't do really anything on our own. And we're not really set up for that. And any time that we can get information from a grower, that's the best information because that speaks mounds versus, you know, what a replicated plot that's 20 feet long can show, right? If we can split a field, that's where we put our money where our mouth is. For those who work in acres... Not an hour. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And that was Sherry Cook. She's part of Mosaic. And I always find it interesting that they get their information. You know, it's so much better to get it right from the farmer and not those 20-foot plots. And it uh, gives a better story. So, talking of stories and the farm news, the average retail fertilizer prices closed out 2023 mixed. According to data from surveyed sellers and collected by DTN, prices for six of the eight major fertilizers were lower in the fourth week of December when compared to November prices. And Hydra's average price was down the most at 7% to $292 per ton. <laughs> Excuse me, $792 per ton. Five other fertilizers dropped only slightly in price. MAP down to $812 per ton, potash $415 per ton, urea 
$536 per ton. ANU-28, $340 per ton. And ANU-32, $394 per ton. Two fertilizers were up in average price compared to last month. DAP is up to $721 per ton. And 10 34.0 was up to $599 per ton. Fertilizer prices fell about 34% from January to July 2023, with lower prices linked to a warmer year compared to 2022 and an eased demand for natural gas. That's a key ingredient in the production of fertilizer. And Wisconsin's all-milk price for November was $19.80 per hundredweight. That's $0.40 cents higher than October, but $4.20 lower than November of last year. Of the top 24 milk-producing states, Wisconsin dairy farmers sold their milk for the second lowest price. Only Iowa milk was cheaper. Florida and Virginia farmers received the most for their milk, $25.80 per hundredweight. We need to get a few more chores done, and then we'll be hearing from Stephanie talking electric tractors. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. The Midwest Farm Report. There's a new tractor coming to market, but you won't be taking a look under the hood. And that's because the hood doesn't open. And even if it did, there's not much to see. Just batteries and an electric motor. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And this is just one of the differences between your traditional diesel utility tractor and the new all-electric tractor with autonomous features by New Holland. Lena Bioni is the product marketing manager for this tractor coming to market in 2024. We talk about where she sees electric serving farmers best and where it has limitations. But first, she tells me what demand looks like among farmer customers for electric. It definitely depends on the farmer of where they're at and how their infrastructure and if they're prepared or even able to run an electric vehicle on the farm. We're seeing a high demand from uh, specialty agriculture on the West Coast. They have an immense amount of subsidies and funds available to them to supply alternative fuel sources um, on their farm. We're also seeing a lot of municipalities that are very interested in the technology, as well as some mixed farm and equine operations as well. Um, it's a tractor of their size, and they really like the idea of being uh, more energy independent and also that reduced cost of ownership. And New Holland will be the first to say it. electric tractors, they're not meant for everything because it may not be feasible in some areas. But where do they belong? Yeah, they definitely would belong in any of our segments that are currently using a utility tractor. If you're using a utility tractor today, most of the time they're spent um, with a loader on them and they're around the barnyard doing chores of that nature. So um, that makes a lot of sense because that's where our power source is. When they're not going out into the field and running for um, days on end in order to get crop planted or harvested, when they're going back to the barn each night, that's a, a prime candidate for an electric vehicle because they're able to recharge um, and be able to save money that way. And Lena, you and I are talking in Wisconsin where your message was also that dairy farmers would greatly benefit from electric tractors, but, but tell us why. 
So the dairy operations would benefit because they have a fuel source right there on the farm um, with methane. So if they're able to capture that methane from the cattle and then have a digester and scrub that methane and turn it into an electric source, uh, some of them right now are doing that and selling it back to the grid um, or back to the electric companies. They have that source right there, that energy already, and they can be powering their electric tractors at um, virtually no cost once they've installed that infrastructure. Lena says the industry's first ever electric tractor with autonomous features also adds a safety element to the farm that wasn't there before. There's a lot of safety that can go in when you have an electric vehicle because of the way that the technology is developed. Uh, multiple cameras and sensors in the roof line and around the tractor are able to detect when objects or other people come within the tractor's um, safe zone and shut it down. For example, around the PTO, which we know is uh, definitely a, a major source um, of injuries around the farm. With PTO guardrail, it's able to identify when something is coming into that, ob- um, into that area, and then it's going to shut down the PTO so that way there's no injury. And then I'd say probably the third largest benefit you outlined for us today was that there are cost savings in the right conditions. Yeah, it definitely would depend on what time you're um, getting your energy. If you have fluctuating energy rates, um, any of those off-peak times that you're able to charge the tractor are going to definitely show you some savings, as well as the savings of no longer needing to purchase diesel fuel, diesel exhaust fluid, engine oils, engine filters, uh, any of those consumables that we would have with an internal combustion engine. Now, maintenance has got to look a lot different because you're no longer changing the oil, changing filters. What do you see when you open up the hood and what kind of maintenance do you have to do? It's actually funny that in production, there will be no hood to even open on the electric tractor. Uh, There's nothing to see, an electric motor and some batteries. There will be a screen and a filter uh, on top that you'll be able to clean out that, uh, just an air filter. Um, So we no longer need to access the engine since there isn't one. So no engine oil to change every 600 hours. However, we still have hydraulic oil. So that will still require to be uh, changed every 1200 hours. How about horsepower? Are we still getting the same amount of power in these electric tractors as we would in your traditional machine? Yeah, clean energy definitely does not mean less power. We're able to achieve the same PTO horsepower of 65, the same that we would expect out of its diesel counterpart. So anything that you do with a diesel tractor today, you could do with the T4 electric power. We had a lot of questions today from farmers in the audience about runtime and battery power. And you had some some good advice on some of the logistics you have to think about when you purchase your battery charger. So I was wondering if you could explain to us what people should be thinking about when it comes to the conduit to, to charge up their tractor. Absolutely. So these chargers are the universal chargers that we would see across North America for any electric vehicle that may be on the road. So if you have a personal EV, then you no longer need to purchase an additional charger. You can use the same exact charger. Um, However, if you're new to the market for electric vehicles and you're shopping for your first charger, there's a variety that can range from plug and play options that will run off your existing electricity that you have at your farm or your home all the way up through DC fast chargers, which um, are able to recharge the tractor in just one hour. The cost is going to range depending on the type of investment that that you want to make in this and, and when you plan on charging your tractor. 
That's correct. You can uh, really choose which level you want to be at um, with an option to fit multiple budgets. And then you have to just look at how your infrastructure is prepared and if there are additional costs associated with bringing in more infrastructure to run the chargers. New Holland's T4 electric tractor will be the first ever electric tractor with autonomous features. Lena had brought up a fun scenario about how autonomy works with equipment. Think about driving up to the cattle gate with a hay bale. You get out of the tractor, you go open the gate, you get back into the tractor, you drive through the gate, you get out of the tractor, closing the gate, all while the cows know you're coming and they're trying to walk out. Well, now tractor technology has come so far where it will follow you through the gate. Yeah, exactly. So with the um, some of that technology that comes with electric vehicles is the ability for autonomous features. So we're now able to engage the tractor to go forward and reverse electronically. And that's what assists us in the autonomous features. So like you mentioned, in follow me mode, the tractor will actually follow you where you go. Um, it knows how to sense where you're at and keep a safe distance from you that if you were to fall down or um, you stop moving, the tractor will recognize that and it will stop moving as well. We used the example of going through a gate and when you get out of the tractor, open the gate, walk through it, the tractor will follow you, stop, you can go back, shut the gate and go on your way. All based on um, when it identifies that you are within or without of its recognizable zone. Um, The cameras in the roofline also have lights on them. So you have to be in a recognizable area for the tractor to be able to follow you. Um, There are still some ongoing points of clarification as to um, what all those safety points would be. A remote has been talked about, uh, an app on the phone, still some of those things that need to be completely um, identified before we go to market um, and have these with customers. You're still in the, the newest stages. This product line is just coming out. Do you anticipate that there may be road bumps along the way that you'll have to address before this is ready to go for the masses? Sure. So we are um, taking a very careful approach with this across North America. We'll only have 10 dealers who have access to this product out of our entire dealer network. Um, That's for a few reasons. We want to make sure that our dealer personnel are very well trained with this product as well. It's much different from the diesel tractor that they're used to be working on. So we want to make sure that they're very well trained and they're equipped to be able to uh, work on these tractors specifically. And the same would go with our customers. We want to make sure that they're having a really good experience with it. Any questions that they have that we're able to um, to answer those or solve those that we're not leaving them um, with questions because it is for sure as big of a change from the horse to the car as we're having right now with the change from diesel to electric. And final question, what regions uh, are you starting out with in the U.S. and why? We're starting out on the West Coast um, with the majority of our dealerships because they have a really big demand for alternative energy sources. They've got the most amount of subsidies and federal government dollars to offset the cost of um, the initial startup, whether it be the cost of the tractor and also the charger. There's money available for both of those. And um, they have the customers that are interested in the technology as well. 
Now, I won't take away from anywhere else in the United States because we're also looking um, in some Mid-South regions that we'll be working in, the Pacific Northwest, um, the Northeast, the North Central. We're basically going uh, to multiple geographies all across North America. And what's always interesting to hear where those electric tractors are going to come out first. Um, It'll be interesting to see if the infrastructure can keep up with getting those tracks charged and... um, getting them fueled out in the middle of a fuel field. That was always my big thing. Are you going to be able to have a charger that goes with, or how's that charger going to run? Oh, so many questions. But we'll have some questions for Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock. He'll be in next. The Midwest Farm Report. And just as promised, we've got Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock ready to give us an update on the markets. You betcha. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is how uh, yesterday's dairy cattle auction shaped up here at Premier Livestock. Did have a lighter run of dairy cattle, but uh, prices were very strong yesterday. Top fresh Holstein cows, 2,200 to 2,800. Many other cows from 1,750 to 2,175. Top spring and heifers, 1,850 to 2,500. Did have a fancy load of spring and heifers, average 2,275. We got another Nice lineup of uh, dairy cows and spring and heifers for next week, Wednesday. Market recap for the week here at Premier. Fed cattle traded stronger. High choice and prime Holstein steers, 147 to 158. Choice beef up to 168. Market cows high yielding. Uh, they were also stronger from 92 to $1.16, many from 77 to 91. Market bulls high yielding from 95 to $1.12. Organic market cows uh, sold Monday and Tuesday, mostly from 135 all the way up to a dollar sixty nine strong market there. Newbart Holstein bull calves also traded stronger, mostly from two hundred and fifty all the way up to five hundred dollars on those Holstein bull calves. Beef cross calves three hundred all the way up to six thirty. Next week Tuesday, uh, that'll be our special feeder cattle auction, bred beef cow auction. Uh, it does look like a very nice run of cattle uh, coming for next Tuesday's feeder sale. That'll get underway at eleven o'clock a.m. Uh, do have a complete beef herd dispersal as well uh like say a uh, nice lineup guys uh check out our uh, market reports uh early consignment sales schedules that's all on our website at premier livestock and auctions.com don't forget to like our premier uh, livestock facebook page as well uh questions you can call us anytime 715 715- 229-2500. Don't forget our spring uh, farm machinery auction is going to be coming up March 15th. We are now accepting items uh, for that sale. We are asking that you hold off on the smaller items, but that larger farm equipment, uh, you can start bringing that anytime. So that's the way things are shaping up. And we have Morgan in the house with our local news. Good morning, Morgan. Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We begin in Barron County. Authorities there are saying they know who they're looking for in a violent home invasion from last month. A judge yesterday issued an arrest warrant for Ryan Charpenter from Little Canada, Minnesota. The sheriff's office says he and another man broke into a 70-year-old man's home in December, tied the man up, and stole guns and cash. At one point, the man told investigators Charpenter used a taser on his face. Detectives say they zeroed in on Charpenter after a neighbor spotted his SUV in the man's driveway. In other headlines, folks and families in the 
the Sheboygan County area facing uncertain futures after hundreds of people at one Johnsonville plant will be out of a job by the end of the year. The company yesterday said it's closing its Meadowside plant in Sheboygan Falls. Currently, 390 people work at the plant, and Johnsonville says they'll keep all their jobs through at least June. Johnsonville says the plant is closing because the company bought another plant, Psalm Partners. Now, there's no word when the plant will close exactly, but the company says workers will be given stay-on bonuses to work till June and that Johnsonville will try and find jobs at other plants for workers at Meadowside. You could maybe see a concert at the new Milwaukee Casino venue. Yeah, it looks like Milwaukee's casino will continue to stretch and grow. Maybe you saw this in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel yesterday saying that the Potawatomi Casino has plans for a new 6,000-seat concert venue. The project is expected to cost at least $200 million, though Potawatomi managers didn't comment on the report. Sources close to the project say the idea is to break ground early next year. Potawatomi recently closed its concert theater to make room for a new sports book. Now, the new concert venue would not be connected to the casino. Rather, it would be built just a few blocks away on land that Potawatomi bought in 2015. And if built, the new concert venue would be a competitor to Milwaukee's other theaters and concert spots. And the public will get a chance to say goodbye to Herb Cole next week with the Cole Foundation announcing a public memorial next Friday at Farzer Forum. Cole died last week at age 88. He had served four terms as a Wisconsin Democratic U.S. Senator, but was equally well-known for owning the Milwaukee Bucks. That memorial invitation says donations in his name are welcome. At various foundations, you can find a list online, 715newsroom.com. And get the noodles and fork, or maybe the lady and the tramp ready. Those holiday leftovers are a thing of the past. It's back to the Piscetti plate today. Grab the pasta pot. Today is National Spaghetti Day, paying tribute to one of the world's favorite comfort foods, Sicilian in origin, dating back to the 19th century. It's sauce, pasta, done. You can step it up with meatballs. No one will judge. And slurping the noodles, not considered polite in Italy. But we're not in Italy. I'm Bree Tennis. We are not in Italy. We are in the Dairyland, thank goodness. Home sweet home. And of course, cheese on top of that pile of spaghetti is going to be what tops it off. We better get back to work making that. And we go to the barn with Jill Welke and your Midwest Farm Report on Wax 104.5. Keeping it rural. The Midwest Farm Report. We're going to take one more last look at our farm news and talk hay prices and livestock prices. They were definitely varied compared to the past. According to the latest USDA Agricultural Prices Report, all hay prices in Wisconsin averaged $184 per ton in November. That's $16 higher than October prices and $11 more than last year's prices. Alfalfa hay price was $196 per ton in November. That's $13 higher than October and $13 higher than November of last year. Livestock prices were also part of this report, and the average price farmers received for calves in November was $290 per hundredweight. That's $7 less than October price, but $87 more than a year ago. The all-beef average price in November was $180 per hundredweight. That's $2 less than October, but $29 more than November of last year. And the average hog price struggled in November and reached only $57.50 per hundredweight. That's $2.90 lower than October and $9.20 lower than last November. And we need to be heading to our markets. And we are going to go to Baron Equity and hear from Brittany. It was a late run today, but the cow market held strong. Cold cows, the top 20%, sold from 90 to a dollar, topping at 106. 60% sold from 64 to 89, and the bottom 20% sold 63 and down. 
If you have any questions or would like someone to come to your farm to look at livestock, please contact us at 715-537-5618. This has been Brittany with your Equity Baron Market Report. Thank you and have a great day. We need to hear from Hot Eman and Sparta Equity with his markets. Fed cattle selling steady today with the high-yielding choice beef steers and heifers 173 to 180. The choice and select beef steers and heifers 162 to 172. The beef and dairy cross steers 150 to 165. High-yielding choice Holstein steers 145 to 153. Choice and select Holstein steers 134 to 144 with unfinished steers, heifers, and heavy steers 85 to 133. Cow market steady. Quality beef slaughter cows up to $1.15. The high-yielding slaughter dairy cows, 85 to 95. Cutters and utilities, 49 to 84. Low-yielding and canner cows, 48 cents in down. Organic market today with results from our January 3rd sale with the high-yielding slaughter organic cows, 135 to 170. Thin and small organic cows, 94 to 134 with the organic steers and heifers running at 160 to 180. Bull market steady. Most bulls bringing 95 to 110, topping at 117 with a thin Full and bulls over 2,200 pounds discounted at 94 cents and down. Calves sold by the pound today with a steady market with the quality Holstein bull calves bringing 250 to $4. Quality Holstein heifer calves 50 cents to $2. The quality beef bulls 475 to 625. Quality beef heifers 425 to 575. The light import quality calves 10 cents to $8 per pound. Just a reminder, our next sale will be Thursday, January 4th for our special dairy and feeder cattle sale with dairy cattle starting at 12 noon, followed by feeders at 12.30. This is Hut Eamon at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update, and we thank you for your business. I've got Jerry Fitzgerald from Stratford Equity on the line. We were just talking weather a little bit, and I would imagine the snowmobilers aren't really happy with the warmth, but I don't know, I'm getting kind of to like it. Well, yeah, uh, me also, and it's a uh, good morning, Jill, and it's a, uh, yeah, I know it's a, uh, there's a, a large portion of the uh, economy, especially in northern Wisconsin, depends upon the snowmobile trade, but like, uh, well, we were talking to, it's a long way between now and July, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> so yeah. it's a, uh, the only thing that uh, I get concerned about now is this, just uh, uh, these guys out there. I mean, there is not enough ice to be out there ice fishing. I just get, oh, man, I just. So, folks, if uh, if you're needing fish uh, really bad, just call your local restaurant up. They'll take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's some pretty good advice. Well, what yeah. about those markets? Yeah, we better do that, too. Jill, thank you, and good morning, everyone. A summary from uh, yesterday, uh, Wednesday, at Equity Stratford on the feeder cattle auction yesterday. Lighterweight beef steers are selling mostly from uh, uh, 170 to 230. Uh, heavier beef steers selling mostly in a range from $1.40 to 215. Lighterweight beef heifers, uh, those are in a range mostly from 160 to 215. Heavier beef heifers from 130 to 210. Holsteins, lightweight Holsteins from $1.35 to $1.60. Your heavier Holsteins mostly from $1.25 to $1.50. On the uh, market auction yesterday, a cow market stayed pretty steady. Uh, uh, High-yielding fleshy Holstein and beef cows in yesterday's auction were selling from $85 to $1.04. Most of the cows that we sold yesterday sold between $62 and $85. Thinner cows like carcass cows below $62. On the Fed cattle trade, choice grading Holstein steers are selling from a dollar thirty-eight to a dollar fifty-three. Select grading cattle, under finished cattle, uh, mostly one twenty-eight and below. On the uh, bull market yesterday, uh, uh, selling between uh, ninety-two and one hundred five. On the high yielding bulls, lighter weight bulls, eighty-eight and below. 
Calf market so far this week, good quality replacement Holstein bull calves are selling mostly from 175 to 400. Uh, Tuesday we did top at 490. Heifer calves 150 and below. Good quality beef calves in yesterday's auction selling from 300 to 605. And we are at Thursday. Auction this morning does start at 11 o'clock. Market auction today will sell market cattle, fed cattle, market bulls, baby calves. We'll get to those after the lunch hour today. And just a reminder, of course, next week, uh, on Monday, we will get back to full marketing four days a week next week. So, uh, again, the Monday auction will be uh, in uh, place for next week. And also, just a reminder, next hay auction will be next Tuesday, January 9th. Also, next feeder cattle sale will be next Wednesday, January 10th. And folks who got cattle consigned to these auctions, let us know. Our phone number over here six eight seven four one zero one. Jill, that's what we have this morning. Enjoy the day, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow morning. Yes, we will. Enjoy this nice weather, I guess. <laughs> yep, for January. And that was Jerry Fitzgerald from Equity Stratford. Well, today, the Western Wisconsin Ag Lenders Conference is going to be held, uh, starting at eight thirty, going till three thirty at the River Prairie Center in Altoona. So if you're looking for your egg lender today, they're probably getting some learning in. And the USDA has an open house for emerging farmers in Dunn County next Tuesday, January 9th. And that will be held at the USDA office on Red Cedar Street in Menominee. And it doesn't, it must be kind of an open house. Maybe it's a come and go meet and greet. It doesn't give me a real good time on this, so... If you want to investigate that more, reach out to the Farm Service Agency or the USDA office on Red Cedar Avenue, Red Cedar Street, and find out more. There's a Potato Expo. It's a Potato Expo trade show, and it's January 10th and 11th in Austin, Texas. And it'd be kind of interesting to find out a little bit more about that. Maybe we'll do a little investigating. And meeting season is in full swing for the Nutrient Management Education Workshops. They're going to be starting up on Tuesday, January 9th from 11 till 2 at the Ag and Resource Center in Altoona. Go ahead and reach out to them to reserve a seat because lunch is included. And tomorrow night on Friday night, the Asu Fairchild FFA alumni is going to be having a meeting we're going to be gathering at Northwoods Brew Pub in Osseo starting at 6 o'clock for social hour and then a quick meeting at 7 o'clock to find out what FFA advisor Amelia Hayden and the chapter has been up to and how we can help them out. And the Wisconsin Fair Association Convention starts up on Sunday, runs through Wednesday with Wednesday night being the Wednesday night, January 10th, being the choosing of the next fairest of the fairs for Wisconsin. And they go around to the fairs. I'm always amazed at how many fairs they get to. They have their fair season definitely planned out and good outreach for the Fair Association. The Midwest Farm Report. And it's time for our one last look at our markets. And the rain in Brazil and Argentina has definitely been driving those cash prices down. March in the Chicago Board of Trade, March corn sitting at 464 down a half. March oats, 374 up six and a half. March soybeans, 1275 down one and a half. 
and March soybean meal, $380 a ton, down a fraction, with March wheat sitting at $6, up a fraction. In our country, elevator prices on our cash corn for... Uh, Prices for a golden plump in Arcadia is four dollars and twenty cents a bushel. Baldwin four dollars for corn and eleven ninety one for soybeans. Chippewa Falls and Connorsville three ninety four for corn and twelve oh seven for beans. Duran three ninety five and eleven eighty one. Mondovi four dollars and eleven eighty six. Elmwood four oh five for corn and eleven ninety one for beans. Fall Creek, three ninety five for corn and eleven eighty one for beans. Osseo, four ten for corn and eleven ninety one for beans. Elk Mound, three ninety nine and eleven ninety eight. Sparta, four oh three and eleven eighty four. Ellsworth, three eighty five and eleven eighty six. Loyal corn, loyal new crop corns at three ninety five with beans at eleven eighty five in Arcadia, four ten and eleven ninety five. At our ethanol plants, Boyceville, four seventeen for corn. Stanley, four twenty, and New Richmond, four fifteen. And our cheese markets, barrels one forty one and a half down two and a half. Forty pound blocks one forty five and a half down two and a half. Our gray double A butter two sixty eight and a half. No change from yesterday. And our class three milk futures, January fifteen thirty one down a dime. February fifteen fifty five down eight cents. March down another dime to sixteen nineteen. April seventeen oh eight down two cents. May down a penny to seventeen seventy five. And that market is trending downward through the end of the year. And one last look at our thirteen first alert weather. Today we're gonna stretch her up to twenty seven degrees. Tonight down to twenty. Tomorrow, 33. Tomorrow night, 27. And then looks like it's in the low 30s up to next Wednesday with some slight snow showers. I'm hoping we get a little bit of snow. The ground could use a refresh. But right outside our back door, it's 19 degrees here in Eau Claire. And that's what I have for the farm show for this Thursday morning.